One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We're following up with our friends who campaigned for office during the midterms. Today, we catch up with Missouri legislator Crystal Quaid and Sarah Riggs-Amico, who ran for lieutenant governor in Georgia. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. everyone. Welcome to Friday's episode of Pantsuit Politics. We're so glad that you're here. Today we are going to be following up with the first of our candidates who ran in the midterms. We're going to talk with Crystal Quaid, who won her election in Missouri, and Sarah Riggs-Amico, who lost her bid for lieutenant governor in Georgia. As you know, the Georgia race was a very interesting one, and Sarah's conversation with us is fantastic, and I think you'll be happy to hear about Sarah's future plans. So we're delighted that both of these women are spending time with us, and we're catching up with everyone that we talked to. So you should hear all of those voices again. We're really excited to share them with you. 
Before we dive into those conversations, we just want to invite you, if you haven't already, to subscribe to Pantsuit Politics, rate and leave a review in the Apple Podcast player. It really helps other people see Pantsuit Politics. You know, a lot of getting people into our community is just about visibility, and your support through those ratings and reviews really makes that happen. So thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to do that. So first up, we're going to share our conversation with Sarah Riggs Amico, who ran for lieutenant governor in the state of Georgia. We are so excited to continue our updates with the female candidates we talked to throughout the midterm elections. And today we are joined by Sarah Riggs Amico, who ran for lieutenant governor in Georgia. Now, the gubernatorial race in Georgia got a lot of coverage. Sarah, why don't you update us on your specific race? Oh, thank you so much, Sarah and Beth. It's great to be back. And, you know, we had a great run. I am really proud of the campaign that we had We ran a completely positive campaign. We really resisted what is almost a gravitational pull in Uh politics these days to be nasty and negative and personal. Um, That's not who I am, and that's not what our campaign was. So in spite of being unwilling to get down in the mud with everyone else, it was a, a really remarkable experience. I met some of the most amazing people all over our state. We came up a little bit short, but I definitely do not look at it as a loss. There was record turnout here in Georgia. It was a win for voter turnout. It was a win for civic engagement. We had literally thousands of volunteers. We had over a half a million people who received postcards on our behalf. We had tens of thousands of doors knocked. We had all kinds of voter engagement and outreach. And I think most importantly, we had some really extraordinary, high-quality conversations with people who don't necessarily think of themselves as Democrats, who were really open to the message that we shared about how important it is to invest in your people and that that is the best way to create long-term sustainable growth. That is awesome. You sound like you're reflecting on all of it so positively and fondly. And I'm kind of in awe of that, given how difficult everything has been in Georgia. I would love to know what you think is missing in the national conversation about the Georgia election. Well, I think there are a couple of things. The first issue is that, you know, this was a historic election, and it wasn't just about ultimately being victorious for either for any of us as candidates. Um, It was really about giving people in the state of Georgia credible options up and down the ballot, giving people in Georgia something and someone to vote for and not someone to to sort of rail against. And I think we did that. We had an all-female top of the ticket uh, for governor and lieutenant governor. So I do think it's it's easy in sometimes our disappointment, which I think is momentary and fleeting, and none of us are going anywhere, right? We're all still going to be around, and, and God willing, many of us will have opportunities to run for office again in the future. I think sometimes because it didn't go the way that we had hoped, people overlook just how much progress was made and just how many, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of voters in Georgia who cast a ballot for the first time. Many of them waited in hours-long lines, some of them late at night, some of them in the rain, some of them with their small children, and they thought it was worth it. I mean, that's a huge victory for democracy. So, yeah, I'm disappointed it didn't go our way, but I would say the first thing missing from the conversation is this was not a this was not a loss. This was a victory in a lot of ways for exactly the kind of 
civic engagement and strengthening of our democracy that were the reasons I got into politics in the first place. The second thing I would say is, you know, I I know there's a lot of attention right now on sort of post-election, how do we fix voter enfranchisement and the integrity of our elections here in Georgia. And I would encourage people, you know, to stay engaged in that issue. And, and I don't think it's just with Stacey Abrams' new organization, Fair Fight Georgia, Fair Fight Action, who have filed a federal lawsuit. There is also a nonprofit and a group of voters who are actually contesting true contest of the election in my race as well. Um, we have a significant undervote issue in the race for Georgia's lieutenant governor. It appears that uh, more than 100,000 people effectively skipped this race but voted the rest of the ballot. Yeah, it is. It's it's odd. I mean, you know, I'm an, I'm an analytic person by nature. So we noticed it on election night. We've talked with people from the Leadership Now Project. We've talked with people from the MIT Elections Lab. We actually engaged a professor named Dr. Michael Heron, who is a foremost expert in election data science, including residual votes. And what was interesting when we came back from looking at the analytics is in my race, my residual vote rate, so the drop-off between, say, governor and lieutenant governor and then lieutenant governor to secretary of state, typically what you see is sort of a, a normally shaped decay curve, right? Each race, as you move down the ballot, sheds a few voters, but it's effectively in a normally shaped curve. In our case, that is exactly what happened when people voted on paper ballots. However, when people voted by the touchscreen electronic voting machines, the Diebold's um, DRE machines, they, they go, people call them a number of different things, uh, my residual vote rate skyrockets to almost 7.5%. And what Dr. Heron, the academic we used as an independent third party to sort of uh, evaluate the findings, said is that he's never seen a spread that large. Whether you vote on paper or whether you vote using a voting machine shouldn't determine which races you vote for. And, and it's, you know, it's highly unlikely that it's a naturally occurring phenomenon that people who voted on a paper ballot voted for this race, and then suddenly once they got in front of a touchscreen machine, they decided they wanted to skip this one and vote the rest of the ballot. So whether that's a programming glitch or a ballot design error or a tabulation error or what have you, that is something that I think merits investigation. Uh, I think our estimates right now are that it affected at least 103,000 votes, but maybe as many as more than 130,000. And so we're really digging in to just try to get the information. And independent of whether that changes the outcome, I think voters, especially those voters we just talked about who were first-time voters or late at night or in all kinds of weather conditions, voters who make that kind of commitment to be engaged in their democracy deserve to know whether or not their votes are accurately counted and tabulated. And candidly, I think candidates deserve to know that they're running a fair race. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and Jean also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. 
They say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive in June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. So I think what I would say is I'm very curious to see what happens. And, and I'm sort of, you know, as I told you guys the last time we talked, I, I suffer from what I call true believerism. <laughs> I love this system of government. And my interest is not so much would it have affected the outcome, but you know, how do we make sure that whatever happened to cause the undervote issue in the 2018 race to be Georgia's next lieutenant governor, how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? And I think, you know, candidates from both sides of the aisle or from third parties or independents will also have a more fair chance and a higher level of election integrity in the future if we're able to determine what happened. I think all that is so incredibly important. And I'm so impressed with your attitude. I mean, I lost my local election and I feel like you're doing way better than me, (laughs) even though your election was much bigger. I'm very, I mean, I think that's so amazing. What did you learn 
not just about the systems and the, the voters and the constituents, all that I think is incredibly important. But what did you learn about yourself? What lessons did you take away from your first involvement in electoral politics? A couple of things. I think I learned how important this is to me. I mean, I've always thought of myself that I'm a business owner. I run a large company. I enjoy businesses. In fact, while I was running for statewide office, my company managed to both raise capital and do three different acquisitions, the last one of which we publicly announced this morning. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It it was a lot of backwards and in high heels kind of moments for me this year. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Very Ginger Rogers. But I think what I learned is as much as I love creating jobs and building businesses, there is a part of this public discourse and in particular the desire to really strengthen and ensure my kid, you know, our democracy and ensure my kids and future generations inherit that vibrancy in our electoral politics that I think has made this country the envy of free people around the world for centuries. I think that is way more central to who I am than what I understood before. And I've always loved the academic study of American government. In fact, right now I'm reading Doris Kearns Goodwin's Leadership, which is fabulous. If you haven't read it, um, it's sort of, yeah, I mean, she's amazing, right? But this is a really interesting take. So she looks at Abraham Lincoln, Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, and Lyndon Johnson from childhood through sort of the big defining crises of their presidencies. But she looks at it through the lens of how did their leadership styles develop and what were the pivotal moments from childhood through adult life that made leadership their leadership styles really become apparent and solidified. And so I love this stuff. I mean, I'm a you know, I love reading about how the great political thinkers of our country over the centuries have have really helped shape the world that we live in today. But I don't think I ever understood how much I would be energized by being in the trenches with people knocking doors, talking to voters, having those kinds of conversations. So I definitely learned about myself that this is more than an academic interest. I definitely learned that the people of Georgia are extraordinary. Uh, and it really, you know, this is this is so many different states in one state, right? Mm. Um, whether it's the landscapes from the coast to the mountains to middle Georgia to southwest Georgia, you know, to the city and Atlanta and the suburbs. And there are so many different places in Georgia, but the common thread among the people here is a real earnestness about being, I think they want to do the right thing. And I don't think that matters whether they identify as a Republican or a Democrat or like most Americans, probably somewhere in between. I think what I learned more than anything was that our politics are so divided and so utterly without nuance, as you guys talk about a lot, but our people are not. Our our people, no matter where they live or what they do for a living or what letter is next to the name of the candidate they vote for, they have the same hopes and dreams for the future, for their kids, for future generations. They have the same fears about what happens when there's a failure of leadership. And they also are much more willing to sit and have the hard, nuanced conversations, which, by the way, by definition means you're both talking and listening, right? Mm -hmm. That second piece sometimes our political leaders miss. 
they're so much more willing to do that than our leaders are sometimes. And so my answer to that is then we get some of them out there to run for office. And I think they'll find similar to what I did. It's a most rewarding experience, independent of the outcome. And I think if they can't run, then getting people more engaged in volunteering for campaigns or being more engaged in terms of learning about the candidates on their ballot. And I hope that, you know, some people who listen to this will grab some of their friends that maybe they don't talk to as much anymore because of politics or because you voted for maybe, say, a different candidate in 2016. I hope you'll grab dinner and I hope they'll have a conversation where they truly sit and try to listen to the heart of somebody who doesn't see the world through the same lens that they do. So those are those are kind of my takeaways. They were they were much more profound than I could have possibly anticipated at the beginning of this process. To put a fine point on that, we just did a presentation with a teacher from Atlanta, Sarah Cater, and she told us that her eighth grade class has a group within it, listens to our podcast during lunch, and they have created a chart on the wall of words and phrases to use in hard conversations about politics with each other and ways to listen and engage in that kind of discussion that you were just talking about. So this is a good moment for us to give a shout out to Miss Cater's eighth graders in Atlanta and to say that, yeah, we that story kind of resonates with what you're saying about how the people of Georgia are interested in doing better than what we see in the the national spotlight sometimes. Which leads me to my next question. We would just love to know what's next for you. I know you have a company to run. What else is what else is on your mind about the future? First of all, thanks so much for asking. I, I think for me, being engaged on the themes that we really carried through this campaign, in particular accountability. I think getting voters civically engaged and making sure that they have the information about who their elected officials are and how they're representing the various levels of government, staying engaged in those community conversations. You know, I think candidates tend to make the rounds, especially on a statewide candidate, tend to make the rounds to the various regions of the state every four years, approximately, right? Or six years if they're running for the U.S. Senate. And I think maybe the model needs to change. I think we need to be in constant conversation with communities about the kind of world that we want to build and the kind of world we want to leave the next generation. And so I look forward to staying engaged in terms of making people feel excited about participating in our democracy. I look forward to staying engaged around ensuring that some of the transparency and accountability that I really and truly feel has been missing from Georgia's state government perhaps has now a very vocal champion in me and I think other candidates as well. I, I look forward to staying a part of the conversation. And then I think for me, I'd love to run for office again. We'll have to think about where that makes sense. Uh, my kids are super excited to have uh, mommy home for bedtime again. Mm -hmm. So so I'm not sure you know, what the timeline will be, but I am absolutely certain that the reasoning behind it will be exactly what it was this time, which is I really believe that our best days are ahead of us. And I really believe that there are no problems in Georgia or candidly, even in national politics that can't be solved. I think what we see time and time again is a failure of leadership. We see leaders who've decided it's more comfortable or convenient or worse yet, it's better for their politics 
that they stoke the fires of hatefulness and division rather than problem solve. I think what we see are ideological divides that are often manufactured by political candidates to drive turnout strategies. I think we see some of the negative, nasty, ad hominem politics that really is there to cover the inherent weakness of the candidate that's sort of using those attacks. Maybe there's not enough substance there. And so what I'm hoping to do is continue to move forward in a way that shows people what it looks like when somebody actually wants to talk about the issues. And when they want to do that, independent of sort of, you know, the choices that somebody on the other side or their opponent might make. So I'm not sure what that'll take, and I'm not sure what office, but I am absolutely certain that if I find the right opportunity, I will do this again. Love that. What a great, what a great place to end. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming and updating us and sharing your passionate and your positivity. It just, it was really, really inspiring. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having me. My family and I have been getting to know the Pantsuit Politics podcast since I came on last time. And I love it. I mean, if you think about it. No, it's great. I mean, what y'all are doing, I hope listeners don't take it for granted. When you've identified a problem, a lack of nuance, a lack of conversation, a basic hollowing out of civility in the middle. But instead of sitting around and, you know, complaining about it, y'all are doing something. You're having those conversations. You're building a conversation that's inclusive. And you're doing it in a way that reminds people of what's at stake and also reminds them that we as candidates are just human beings. Mm-hmm. We're all utterly flawed, right? I mean, in, in, because we're human in, in one way or another or in multiple ways. And I think the opportunity to have conversations that don't shortchange us into something you can neatly package in a 30-second soundbite is a most extraordinary platform in these times, maybe more than ever. So I appreciate what y'all are doing, and I hope we'll be able to continue the conversation at some point in the future. We do too. Thank you so much. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. 
That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We are going to share our conversation with Crystal Quaid, Missouri legislator. You might remember that Crystal was a social worker before seeking her first term in office, and she has just won re-election, and we're excited to hear from her about what's happening in Missouri. We are joined by Crystal Quaid, who has just been re-elected to the Missouri legislature. Congratulations, Crystal, and thank you for coming back to Pantsy Politics. You're the first of our candidates that we're checking back in on. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate coming back. We're very excited that you won. We would love for you to just catch us up from our last conversation to now. Any reflections on your race, things that you learned, things that you've been thinking about since the election? Yeah, well, um, I was very excited to win and I won with pretty significant margins, uh, which was great to see. But, you know, in Missouri, we did lose one of our U.S. senators. So that was a rough hit for Democrats. But in terms of reflection, I don't know how much you all looked at it, but Missouri was kind of strange because we had a lot of a ballot initiatives that were, quote, progressive ideas that passed. But then Democrats across the state, we didn't pick up any seats in the House and we didn't pick up any seats in the Senate and we lost our U.S. senator. So it's been interesting looking back at our numbers to kind of see where it all landed. It's just kind of curious how the voters supported ideas that were Democratic but didn't support our candidates by large. Given that landscape, what are you focused on now? I fortunately was elected to the House Minority Floor Leadership position. So I am now our floor leader, which is really exciting. So really what we're focused on, by and large, is working on messaging and branding as a party. Um, Obviously, Missourians agree with our ideas. So we passed a minimum wage increase, a medical marijuana. We passed Amendment 1, which is known as Clean Missouri, just to clean up politics. It it does a whole lot of things, eliminates lobbyist gifts, puts two years in before politicians can become lobbyists. It does a whole gamut of things. So 
I personally, as our new floor leader, I'm focused on making sure Missourians understand that these are democratic ideas and that we are folks who are working very hard on things that they support. So a lot of that's going to be rebranding and messaging. But on the policy side, the Republican majority has already said that they want to undo um, some of these ballot initiatives. So it's going to be standing strong with Missourians' voices and making sure that their voices aren't overturned in the legislature. Hmm. That's a bold move to come out immediately and be like, we would like to undo these things you just voted that you wanted. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I, <laughs> um, but the biggest one, Amendment 1, which, as, as I said, does a lot of the, the lobbyist gifts and, and that type of thing is the one that legislators are already coming out and saying, you know, folks were just confused. It's not really, they didn't really understand what the initiative did. And so, yeah, they've already come out swinging, saying that that's going to be one of their number one priorities this year. Now, Crystal, if I remember correctly, this was your first re-election campaign, right? Correct. What did you learn after being out there, after having a record to stand on? And was it, how was it different than the first time? We're definitely held more accountable, uh, which I appreciated and I was happy to see. My biggest takeaway is it doesn't matter how many times you are reelected, you have to knock the doors and you have to have mm -hmm. conversations with people because folks really want to be heard. And so we knocked a lot of doors and we had a lot of conversations and folks were not just happy to see an elected official, but they wanted to know what I did for them and what I planned to do for them. So I really appreciated that aspect of it. And I hope that continues. And, and I hope that our elected officials understand that we have to keep talking to people. Do you think that the stories being told by the national media about the midterms are good stories? Are they the kinds of stories that we should be focused on? Or would you encourage our listeners to be thinking differently about the results in the midterms? I think it depends on what state you're in. So uh, in Missouri, you know, folks don't necessarily feel like Democrats had a strong win. But of course, when we look nationally, think the folks who won and the diversity that's going to Congress, I mean, I, I personally was very excited with how things landed on election day. But in terms of, of the narrative, I think that lis the listeners and, and everyone really need to focus on as much local government as we possibly can. You know, we saw here in Missouri with, with our great Senator McCaskill's loss that the national dialogue really got in the way. I think that, unfortunately, voters were, were swept in, uh, swept up with the conversation of the, the caravan and, and all of these big topic conversations when in reality we needed to be focused on what was happening here at home. So I think that that is the best thing that I can say to folks is to do our best to not get swept up with what's going on with the president and these these big scaled conversations, because that's not actually affecting policy. That's a great answer. We're so glad that you spent time with us. Thank you. Thank and I'm you. so excited that you're the floor leader. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's I amazing. It is. It is. I very well may be the youngest minority leader Missouri has ever had. Wow. We are looking that up, but we are, the Democratic leadership team is the most diverse. We have five African-Americans and then two, uh, two white women who were elected. As I said, we're pretty sure that I'm the youngest that we've ever had, um, especially as a sophomore legislator. That's very rare, but it's exciting because Missouri has a lot of work to do when it comes to rebranding who we are as a party and what Democrats stand for. And so having a diverse group of voices at the table is really going to be that catalyst for us to have that dialogue. So I'm really excited. Thank you so much to Sarah and Crystal for catching up with us today. And we will be sharing lots more of these conversations in the future. We will be back here on Tuesday to talk about all kinds of news that is developing. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.
Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. And thanks for making us sound better and smarter, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our production assistant, which means we could not live without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you so much, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help make the show better. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Cherry Haas, Sarah's husband, Nicholas Holland, and my husband, Chad Silvers. Learn more about our live events that we're involved in and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with us and members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.